You're listening to the Sewing and Growing podcast and radio show with Jay and Jay. All right, welcome back, everybody. So thankful that you join us each and every Monday or whatever day you're listening to this podcast. I want to say yes, this. Sir. I want to give a shout out to the last person that left us a review. Thank mm-hmm. you, Joe D'Elia. Yeah. Um, you left an awesome review. We love those people that jump on the podcast. Listen, rate us and re- leave a review. It helps yeah. us out so much. It helps the algorithm out when it comes to apple podcasts and spotify putting certain podcasts in front of you so the more ratings we have the more likely new people are to see it so we're not just full of ourselves we just really you know want to have a a longer reach of influence and you help us you help us achieve that goal thank you so again this is the month or month and a half whatever of guests we've been having a lot of guests on Mm -hmm. we just had andy tiffany on that was an experience it was fun and now we have another special guest on um someone i have personally known probably my entire almost my entire life since i was like five or six um because I was really good friends with your brother, and you guys babysat me in the summers. <laughs> but uh, our relationship is a lot different now. Um, I'm talking about Jessica. No longer babysat? No. <laughs> she doesn't babysit me anymore, thanks. Um, but this is uh, Jessica Tuvi, and she has been on the worship team for a number of years. I think longer than I've been on the worship team. Um, uh, but she serves on the worship team with me. And you have started a new season of life where you are now directly involved uh, and overseeing a school, which is really yes. awesome. So we awesome. wanted to bring you on today to talk about education, specifically Christian education, its importance, what you do, and we'll kind of just see where the conversation goes, but I'm really excited to have you. Um, so is John, I think. Yes. <laughs> Ditto. Ditto. So go ahead and introduce yourself. I know I already said your name. Um if you want to say anything else, you are welcome to do so. <laughs> okay, awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for asking me to be here. Um, it's an honor. And um, my name is Jessica Tuvi. I am the principal of Ambleside School, Rocky Mountains. Um, we are a kindergarten through eighth grade private school, private Christian faith-based school um, in Newcastle, Colorado. Um, and... Honestly, it's kind of a wild story how I got here, um, but I believe God opened doors and and positioned me for this time. Um, Honestly, when I look at education, I think of my education um, as an adolescent and what it looked like to be in a public school system as a Christian. And um, at the time, it was... um, I would, I would consider it a decent education. Um, God was definitely not at the center, but it wasn't bad. Um, I think our world has changed in a lot of ways, and um, the ideas and um, things that are being presented to our children have shifted. Um, and I have many friends in the public school setting and have had the opportunity now being in this position to just talk and, and about the ideas and things. And really, I think that, um, it starts with parents Mm -hmm. and, uh, parents have really advocated a lot of their parental responsibility at home, which is why we're seeing what we're seeing in the public schools. Um, 
for our family in particular, we knew that we wanted something different. We have four boys, two um, whom I had the privilege of raising that are not mine. Um, and they went through the public school system from kindergarten all the way to 12th grade. And we watched just the progression of, of the decay that started to happen um, in their education. And so my husband and I thought if we can do something different, um, if we can offer something better for our boys, then we were willing to make that sacrifice. And so I think Christian education looks different depending on the setting that you're in. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of schools that maybe call themselves Christian schools, mm -hmm. but there are different values presented. Yeah. Um, I think we have endeavored, I know me being in the position now new, have really endeavored to get back to uh, what the philosophy is all about. And so um, we are not a school that just started on our own. Um, we are under an organization called Ambleside Schools International. And I had the opportunity to meet the founders um, last summer. Nice. Um, they are incredible people. Um, they're in their late 60s, 70s, and they have no children. Wow. But... Um, They've devoted their life. They to, have yeah, devoted to their life to children and education. Wow. And Mary Ellen um, kind of was in education for 30 years and really made it her life's mission to find the best form of educating children. And so she researched every single option, public, mm -hmm. private, Waldorf, Montessori, all wow. of it, and said... And landed on the Charlotte Mason philosophy and said, this is the best form of educating children out there. And so when I met them, so her husband kind of came along in the midst of her like um, life's mission to really get this to the world. Yeah. And so he jumped on board. Um, his name is Bill and has a PhD and is one of the smartest people I have ever encountered. Yeah. And they just have this um, really love of the Father, I think, to share, to train people um, and to get this type of education into the hands of, of educators. And so just a little background on the Charlotte Mason philosophy. Um, she was a Brit British educator in the 1800s. And at the time, it was really against the norm um, to do something different. Um, to do this type of educating, but um, she, number one, was a woman of God um, who sought the Lord, and then uh, number two, decided that she would spend her life um, training moms and teachers, and so originally her philosophy started out as like a thing for homeschool moms, just a way for moms to educate their kids at home in a different way. Um, and so her foundation for everything um, is that children are created by God and that we as adults um, don't get to take the opportunity to mold and shape and push and prod our children, but that God has you know, predestined them. He has a specific plan for their life, and we get to help direct that. Mm 
um, not only at home, but when it comes to education. So um, she had three major things that she believed on, and that is what um, her philosophy is just kind of encompassed around. Um, and the first thing, John knows a little bit about it because he's been spending some time uh, with our middle school students uh, this semester. We are so very grateful for that. Thank you. <laughs> um, number one is the atmosphere in the classroom. Um, when we talk about atmosphere, I mean, you can walk into a room and sense an atmosphere, right? So she believed that the atmosphere in which students have the ability to learn is crucial. And so what that looks like on a day-to-day -day basis is that atmosphere should be an atmosphere of peace where every student um, gets to grow and learn and has the freedom to have an opinion, ask questions without fear of judgment or shame. Um, and also that the atmosphere is really free of things that keep us from learning. So for instance, free of distraction. So I can't have my phone? No. <sighs> <laughs> you cannot have your phone. <laughs> I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes, I promise. Uh, we take notes on pen and paper. Um, so old school. Fashion. We are old school. Pen Our students paper. do not use Can you do pencil? Com computers, pencil, or pen. <laughs> yes. I'm a big fan of a Taconda rug, number two. <laughs> <laughs> number yes. Two? <laughs> so our students don't use computers, tablets wow. at all. Wow. Everything is on pen and paper. Okay, let me ask this. Sure. Is there any type of way you're going to prepare them for later on in life when they do need to know how to use a computer? In the technology <laughs> age, right? Typing. <laughs> yeah, typing is a major thing. Yeah, so we actually just had this conversation uh, with our board. Um, how do we better prepare our middle yeah. school students for high school mm -hmm. if they're going into right. a public school setting where they're going to need some of these life skills? Yeah. Um, so we have just started talking about what that looks like so whether it's a computer class or whether they're right. doing assignments on a chromebook or something mm -hmm. like that still got to take notes in computer class on your on, on, your, <laughs> on your on your paper, your pen and paper. <laughs> yeah sorry i kind of sidetracked you derailed you did you get That's to okay. the third point nope okay. so i peace free of distraction yeah so number one is atmosphere oh yeah. okay were yeah. you going to share anything else but about an atmosphere, atmosphere. That's peace. peace no so an That's free of distraction yep also free of competition. Ooh. So whoa, 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 whoa. Doesn't competition bring about great things? We're Americans. It does bring Come about on. great things in the right setting. <laughs> That's what the free market so do you, runs on. Do you grade on a curve then? Um, no, we have a very high standard of expectations um, for what our students, um, where our students should be. Okay. Um, the environment being free of competition really uh, is set there so that we're our biggest competitor, right? We're mm. not competing against each other. So one of the biggest ways is we don't give letter grades. Oh. So the student is not competing against classmates or even themselves to sit like, I got to be, I have to have an A or right. the person sitting next to me had an A and I got a D and I, so this like competition in the classroom because students are all at different levels right. and if, you know, Jane, who's four, is really good at a subject and, and, and just is excelling, and then Johnny, who's eight, right. is doing the same thing and putting forth his best effort, mm -hmm. the two are not the same, 
um, one may excel in an area that another does not, but both are, if, if both students are giving 100% and they are giving their best in their ability, Hmm. but they're, we're giving Johnny or John a D and Jane an A. I feel a little bit sad that John is coming through with the D (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. You can name him Jimmy. I'm just kidding. Bob. What I'm hearing is that the competition might be inward, but you're trying to eliminate comparison. Correct. A lot of it. So competition can be healthy in the right environment, but in the wrong environment, it breeds comparison. Right. Yeah, and it's well. Anytime they compete, it's me versus something. Right. Right. So how? So do you have like a traditional grade structure as far as like first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade? Yes. Okay. Yep. So we have standards with which we follow, and believe it or not, it's students will encounter like sixteen different subjects throughout the school year. We categorize our subjects into two different ways, disciplinary subjects and inspirational subjects. And so each grade has standards of Mm. where the students should be, you know, at the end of the year or at semester. And um, so we don't do like traditional report cards, ABCD. They, it will say some growth needed. And then Uh. right along with that, there's a narrative with an explanation to the parent of where the growth is needed because I think about my public school education. I was a terrible test taker and it showed in my grades. So when you're only graded on exams or homework and you have test anxiety Mm -hmm. and you bomb the test, well, I got B's and C's in classes that I knew the material, but because I, because I had test anxiety. So it doesn't necessarily, a letter grade doesn't actually give you a great picture of where the student right. is at. So where does the, the majority of the percentage of their grade come from? Like participation, in-class yep. work? So it's uh, a number of things. It is participation in the classroom. So let me back up just one second. We don't grade just on academics or evaluate, I should say. We also evaluate on character traits. Hmm. Um, That was another big thing that Charlotte Mason believed in was developing um, students and character traits as they're growing, as they're forming. So the second thing she believed in is habit formation. So they're starting to form these habits as children, whether good or bad, and in the classroom. So what does that look like? Well, we have a habit of attention. Mm-hmm. Um, the habit of self-mastery, being being able to master our own selves, um, the habit of kindness, just different character traits. So when it comes to um, reporting on that to families and evaluating, they are, we give them, um, we call them reports of growth. And so uh, the parent sees where the student um, is growing in character traits as well as academically. They work together. Um, she believed, Charlotte Mason believed you can teach a student academics, but if you never teach them character, you're doing them a disservice mm. because I would if, have to agree. Yeah. if they don't, if they don't develop self-control in the classroom, if they don't develop obedience and attention, well, it'll undercut their career. It'll undercut their life. Right. And they're not actually, so she, and I, and I love this about her. She, her whole idea was to train children to be lifelong learners. So that when they leave their place of education, they still have this love for learning new things. They might not be sitting in a classroom, 
but we know as adults, we're always learning, right? So um, if we develop these things as we're growing as children, then it carries over into our adult life. And so the third thing was the presentation of living ideas. And we know that to be true because we refer to the Bible as the living word of God, Mm. right? So we're not just reading a book, but what we're reading is bringing life to who we are. And so when you put things before children, she said, you can put anything before a child and they'll be entertained, right? Children innately um, can draw things from just about anything. Curious and imaginative. Yeah. Yeah. So, but um, we put things before our children that we think is appropriate, like age appropriate. So my four-year-old, because he's four, age appropriate is PJ masks and SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> Probably not SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> but, Maybe OG SpongeBob. Wait, right now, it's a little, it's a little different. Yeah. So these things that we think our four-year-old is capable of taking in that they, the capacity that they have. When really, she said, why? Why is that? Why do we as adults think that's their capacity? Because God has created them for great things. So, why not present things to them that really have life, um, that speak to them, that they can draw experiences and have thoughts that spark ideas, that spark discussion? That's So, what I'm understanding is like you are placing things in front of them that a standard evaluation might think that might be a little beyond them, but you're, you're trying to stretch them to grow, but you're not going to grade them in a way. Um, how, how do I make sense of this? Um, or make sense of my thought. I think it's cool and interesting how you are encouraging them to stretch beyond what even you think their capacity is, Right. but the environment in which they're growing is very healthy. So even if they're not hitting that, mm-hmm. um, there's it's not going to be a shame or guilt yeah. or intimidation to keep growing because right. of a grade standard. Right. Where they're not yeah. hitting. Yeah. So that. Because I know by default, even in college, I don't want to take too challenging of a course that I may learn a ton from if it's going to reflect on my GPA right. later, which I guess we could talk about what happens when they go from Charlotte Mason to yeah. a different grade standard. Yeah. Is it like a punch in the face? Do they feel well <laughs> equipped? What is that like? My report card didn't say needs growth. It said, <laughs> said D. <F. laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, what we try to do, so <clears throat> if a student is um, really not where they need to be, um, the biggest areas that we see students um, below grade level is math. Um, so we have a lot of students that transition from public school to our school and Reading, spelling, and math are the three areas where we see um, students way below our standard. Now, our standard is very different from the public school because none of our class sizes are larger than 15. So it becomes a little more manageable and there's less of a gap between the low and the high end of students. Um, And so, and we're of the mindset, you know, when, when our students have that when, when they're missing a lot where there's a big gap and they're coming in, what do we do in support, you know, with the family, with the parents to get them to this standard? Yeah. Um, so for instance, we have a ninth grader who is now at a public high school who transitioned, was at our school for four years and went into a math class that he's like, Oh my gosh, this is so easy. I did this last year. 
but it's his grade math class, so he wasn't able to move up. So he's doing it flying with flying colors. But so, anyways, we when a student is struggling in an area, we sit down with the family and we come up with a plan long before we're into the semester to say this is where the student is challenged, um, needs growth, needs help. Um, so we, you know seek the help of tutors or after school things, whatever it may be. And, um, and then for our like seventh and eighth graders, we start having these conversations. So this year, um, I don't, like I said, I can't speak to previous years, but now that I'm the principal this year, our, like our eighth grade teacher has changed some of the way we do way that we do things to help in preparation Mm -hmm. for that transition. So, you know, in the public school, they're doing book reports, they're, typing not writing you know um whether it's book reports or presentations or all sorts of those things they're having to manage their own things lockers and all this kind of stuff and there's a lot more kids in the classroom so having those conversations in the room like what are your fears what what does this look like here are some of the things you might encounter um we ask our parents to do a lot of that like we have families ask do you have a sex education class well we don't because we believe that that is the responsibility of the parent to talk with your kids about those things so there's there's things we tell everyone that this is a partnership um you are giving us the authority because you've you placed your children under our care, but ultimately you are the authority in your children's lives. And so we are partnering with you um, when it comes to education. Here's the expectations. Here's the standard. Here's what we follow. And we want you to come alongside. So we ask our parents, we want you to be involved. We want you to know what's going on. We probably over communicate with our parents because we want them to know. We want them to be a part and participate. Um, and it's a it's it's a matter of growing um, and bringing bringing everybody yeah. up. Um, and it starts all the way at kindergarten. Can I ask a question? And just having to learn or getting the great opportunity to learn about Charlotte Mason's and the Amble side. Uh, I don't know, perspective, what would you, mm-hmm. what do you say? Philosophy. Philosophy. Or Thank method. you. That's the word yep. I was looking for. There was one thing that stood out to me that was like, wow, I want to learn more about that. And I would like to ask further questions and maybe you can share on it. Sure. And this isn't probably the exact wordage, but it was on how we manipulate kids to learn. Mm-hmm. Do you know what, do you know mm-hmm. what I'm referring to? Can you just yeah. share on that? Because sure. it stirred up a lot of thoughts sure. to me. So in the public school setting, um, manipulation is really the right word. Our students are being, you know, Hey, if you do this, you get a star on the board Hmm. or you get money to, to do something at the store later, or, you know, we're giving, we're either giving or taking away in order to get the results that we want in the classroom setting. And she did away with all of that. She said, there shouldn't have to be any manipulation of students. They should be in this environment for the sheer love of learning new things without having to be rewarded or punished for behaviors or having the best grade in the class. We have a new family, actually, that moved at uh, in the middle of the year, like October. And the daughter, like the week before, the mom was saying um, the teacher had written everyone's test score from the examination on the board. 
So that is a form of manipulating Mm -hmm. manipulation of our students. And then what does it do? What is that doing to our kids? What What are we teaching them by doing that? So rather than by saying, Hey, this is really awesome. And I think you should know it. And so at the end, I'll reward you for, for listening and participating. We say, God has set these things in place. He's created it all. And he's given us these great things to look at, to be inspired by. And, and so we get to do this just for the sheer love of learning. And um, yeah. What do you do with a kid who says, I don't care about that at all? Like you, like the only sure. way to get them to do their work seems to be punishment and reward. Cause sure. I know even when it comes to parenting, I'm not perfect, but I know sometimes to get my two-year-old to do something, yeah, I, I say, listen, I've got a cookie at home <laughs> for you. And if you can behave during the car ride, you can get that cookie at, at Totally. At and I, I grew up that way. Yeah. We all do it. All the time. So I'm like, <laughs> this is, this is yeah. a I'm not saying paradigm it's wrong. shift. How right. do you, yeah. How do you so, get a kid to do the work if the Seems only way they're moved to be is true yeah. and almost impossible. Yeah. Right. right. Principle to be. <laughs> it's not impossible, but it is a challenge. It is a challenge for sure. Um, and I think it comes down to honestly, what I've seen more than anything this year is what's, what's the buy-in and what's the partnership level of the family? Hmm. Because when, parents say i'm i'm in and i support this and i support my student even if they're i i had a student in my office this morning even if there's pushback i don't want to do this it's not fun it's not cool and you know what i have learned is that the reward manipulation system produces temporary results it doesn't produce the long-term character that you're trying to develop you can get your two-year-old mm-hmm. on a cookie right yeah. So, but as they grow, I, I do it. We all do it, right? <laughs> but it produces temporary results. We get the temporary result that we want. It's the long game. Right. It's the long game we're going for. And that's really what she believed. So, when we have a student in the classroom that's like, I could care less. Well, a lot of it comes down. There's so many different factors that play in the kind of home life, you know, is the family there because they want a Christian education for their students? So it's a matter of of really speaking to who we are and what we do and, and that the family and the student have the buy-in. So for a student coming in at the seventh grade who's like, this is stupid, and that type of attitude, well, that's not really, that's not the right student for this environment because... We And so, before we accept, we don't just accept any family or any student to the school. Our families go through a process, and we sit down, and every family has a parent interview where the student is present if they're, like, fourth grade and above. So, number one, we want to know why the family wants to be there. Well, if it's because you don't want your kids in a mask. Probably not the right place for you. Not the right place. That's good. If it's... (laughs) <laughs> music just started. Hold on. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear that, but um, I'm going to go turn that off. <laughs> so, so there's somewhat of a vetting process. There's absolutely a vetting process because we believe that this is 
an education that's not for everyone. And this manipulation, just going a little bit farther, that's yep. even with verbal compliments of students, Absolutely. which is tough for me because I'm a words of affirmation guy. I sure. like to give that. Right. What does that look like? Yeah. So if we always have to praise to get the result we want, then the motivation in the student is not right. So if they're, so her desire was that, that the student would do the work and that they would put forth, forth their best effort. But if a student does work and they know they didn't give their best effort and the teacher goes, wow, you did an amazing job. It keeps them at that level. And that, that student sitting there like, I, I got the response I wanted, mm -hmm. right? So the teacher thinks grow. I did amazing. Right. So it stops the growth. And it also then, then the student's questioning, well, I didn't do my best. So what does that look like now? Where's the part where kids, I mean, I believe kids need to hear affirming voices. Absolutely. Um, there's a balance to that. It's not like, wow, you did amazing. I did this to my son. He drew a picture of a dinosaur and I was like, wow, that's an amazing frog. And he looked at me and was like, it's a dinosaur. <laughs> so letting the student. So, so we say things like, wow. I can tell you put your, you put forth your best effort. Mm. What do you think? <laughs> and then the student mm. gets to say, well, actually I, I, I kind of took, didn't take my time here. And I know, so it's more of a self-evaluation, huh. self-analyzation, mm. analyzing. Yeah, you're just encouraging. Rather than to, us saying yeah. you did a great job or you did a bad job. You get an A, you get an F, you know, there's, yeah. All right. One more question on this. I'm sorry for the hard questions, but <laughs> okay. what's the difference between a reward and I know you said well, we don't want to reward, but eventually don't gold stars and grades turn into salaries and paychecks. So it's along the same lines. I mean, I'd love, and Pastor Mark will probably listen to this. Yeah. I hope I would still serve God in the church the same way, but the amount of time I'm giving to it, there's somewhat of a tangible reward yeah. sure. that we can expect. Uh, most people, I don't know if they do their jobs if it was just for the good work and the wholehearted effort they put into it. There's an aspect of something they get back from it. Sure. So where's the difference between that and just, hey, that's the natural progression of teaching a child that they mm. get something for the effort that they put forth right? and it being manipulation. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. um, I think because it changes the motivation. So it, it always comes down to the motivation of our heart, right? So yes, we are we do want to grow and progress. And mm. as we get better at things, as we know more, as we have degrees or whatever, salaries go up and things like that. But regardless of how much money you make or the praise you receive or mm. the candy or the star, the desire is that the child is developing and learning that that's not why they're doing what they're mm. doing. That, um, Really, they're looking within themselves to say, I know I'm doing my best. And, you know, we know we know as believers, our reward really is not here on earth. Um, and unfortunately, man will always disappoint us. So it looks um, it's a hard thing. And it's interesting because it's hard sometimes to sometimes to explain that to a yeah. child. But if you sit in our classroom and I encourage you both to come and spend some time in our classrooms. Just the sheer 
joy in the room a lot of times. Um, and the student's capacity, I mean, a teacher will ask a question and every hand in the room will go up. Wow. So why? Because students are excited and they're not being manipulated to be excited. They're not being rewarded to have right. joy. And, and so it, it's, um, and we have families, don't get me wrong. We have families that have, um, we have, um, a student that can't, has come from a really terrible background and John's got to spend some time with him and, and he's got a lot of challenges and they have presented themselves in behavioral issues and things like that in the classroom. But our job is to let him know that he's loved by God, that God has a plan for him, that regardless of what is happening in life, this is a place where you get to come and it's a safe place. It's a place of joy. It's an environment where your peers aren't judging you, where they're not saying you're not good enough or you can't do that. Um, we we just set the bar really high and believe it or not, kids rise to the occasion. So if I were to ask any one of your students, hey, what's your motivation for learning? Do you know what they would probably say? Mm, or is it different a, for every kid? Because again, it's, if it's not rewards-based and his question you know, he was talking about, you know, gold stars turning into salaries. Right. Maybe we think that way because we grew up in a rewards-based system. Yeah. So hopefully when you get out of that environment and you're learning the way you do, if you were to ask me that question now, I would say, why do I work the way, why do I work as hard as I do? Not for a salary, but hopefully my motivation is to put food on the table for my family right. or, you know, to be pleasing and acceptable to God. Mm -hmm. But at this young age, what you think they're like, you're saying the motivation is different, but what, what do you think their motivation actually is? You know, a fourth grader yeah. to say, why are you putting in the work? Right. Um, I and think I, it's, yeah. it's probably different for a lot of our students. I know, um, some of our students, you know, maybe really personality wise, you know, you're more diligent students, attentive, studious students. Um, I believe that they would say they're doing it because they love learning. Wow. Um, and that wouldn't be the case for all of them. Um, but when your students are, we've, we've had parents like, look at what my kids asked for, for Christmas. They asked for, um, Pilgrim's progress wow. <laughs> or they asked yeah. for, um, Frederick Chopin's wow. compositions, like just, being able to see that like there's value and worth to yeah. great things. That's mm -hmm. amazing. And are not all of our, that's probably not the case for all of our students. We should make a testimonial video with a kid saying that. <laughs> we I should. Go we, we have a video actually, yeah. um, some of our, like Kara Keithley yeah. and some students that have graduated and gone on. Um, we have a video cool. of kind of their testimony of what they received um, at our school. And I think across the board, most mm -hmm. of the students that leave Ambleside and go to other places say, um, Number one, they developed this love for learning, um, regardless of what it what it is that they're learning. Mm -hmm. And then um, number two, they were taught to develop in ways, in, in character traits, in ways That's that cool. really the public school is not going to teach. I think it's great.
And I think it's great that you're a guest. Can I ask one more challenging question? <laughs> sure. And then we're I know done. We're, we're putting you to the Sorry. But you know, we're not. <laughs> yeah. Be great. You, here's the we're deal. not against animal side at all. I, I, go just in, have I think it's great. Yeah. It was my idea to have you on here. Sure. I love Christian education. Mm-hmm. I'm a product of Christian education and homeschool education. But I feel like a lot of times when we share these stories and we have people like you, which I love principles of private and Christian schools, I hear from public school educators that are Christian as Mm -hmm. if I'm doing it at their expense. And I want to say, I'm not doing that. I'm so thankful there's lights in public education. Absolutely. And I don't have a kid yet, but being in public education right now, I'm in a community college. And I mean, I was required for a certain assignment to wear women's clothing or women's accessories and i had to take a zero <laughs> on it and i'm thinking what am i going to do with my- you had to take a needs growth that's funny thanks for lightening this yeah. but what i'm getting at is the majority of kids are in public education mm-hmm. and i'm looking at my future and my child and what's best for them and i think a yeah. lot of people would love to be in christian education but it's expensive so what would you say is it is it just a wealthy person's privilege and the rest just have to squander and pray to god that they get a good education for their child what would you say for the person who would love to have their kid in an awesome christian education but it's just so financially hard sure that's a great question um charlotte mason when she created all of this she said point blank this is not an education for the wealthy her desire was that anybody who wanted the education mm. would have the ability to have it, um, regardless of their status. And so that looks different. I mean, um, there are three Ambleside schools in Colorado. Ours is the lowest tuition of the three schools. So there are a lot of different factors. Um, but what I would say to a family that is interested is we have generous community members we our fundraising efforts go to providing scholarships and tuition assistance for families that want to be at our school and we have requirements that kind of come along with that but um our we have a really awesome board of directors and they have always believed that if a family wants their student there and they are partnered with us that we want to make a way for them to be there. So you'd encourage someone in that state, don't stay on the outside, come and have the conversation. Let's Absolutely. see what we yeah. can do. Come to the table. Absolutely. Okay. Great. Yeah. yeah that was one of my questions. Cause I know by default, you, it's not a government program. You don't get grants, right. you don't get certain amount of money. Yeah. Um, it's, I don't know. I see in the future, maybe even churches getting more involved and just, that's a very important what am I trying to say, John? It's a very <laughs> it's imp- a very much needed thing for an upcoming generation. And here at the church, we're praying about it almost yeah. on a daily basis. Yeah, that's awesome. Education and uh, what kids are going through and the climates that are there. So it's something that hopefully people start looking to God and not just the government. And, and again, I don't want to come out right. bashing yeah. public schools. I'm so thankful. I just yeah. got done it. I've been to two FCAs in public schools and I'm thankful for the light there being in those areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, But absolutely. I'm so thankful for the Ambleside school and what we're they're doing to... in the community. Yeah, I hope we're That's still awesome. friends we after are. those hard questions. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, it's, it's got it's a, good. It, you've shed a lot of light on it for me because I know in a few years I'm going to be putting my kids, one of my kids in school. Yeah. And Ambleside is definitely on the table. So it's nice to know that there's not such a 
a massive barrier to entry. Yeah. Um, that you are willing to, you know, work with anybody. Yeah. And because you see the value and the importance. So I love whoever's listening to this podcast, like John said, come to the table. Come to the table and have the conversation before you decide if it's, you know, something not afforded to you or a possibility that isn't allowed for your student. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, If they want to learn more, where can they go? Um, They can go to our school website. It's actually really informative informative, and there's a lot of information about Charlotte Mason on it. It's uh, Um, We have people stop by all the time, Mm -hmm. so feel free to stop by or call. Um, Our desire really um, is that the more and more the world goes the way that it is, the more and more that we need a place for our children to come and for it to be safe, for them to feel free to learn, for them to learn about God in a healthy environment and not just hear about it on Sunday or hear yeah. about it at home. But I always say for my family, it's this cohesive working together between what I do at home and what's happening at school and what's happening at church. Mm-hmm. And, um, so in all of the areas, it's not what we do, it's who we are. Yeah. So Great. Well, we always end with the wisdom of the day, and that's one takeaway from each of us that we would take from this podcast, because we share a lot of wisdom, but what is our sure. one idea? And that's the wisdom of the day, mm-hmm. and we each share one, including our guests. So okay. if you're prepared with your one thought, you can go first. Let me think about it. All right. <laughs> I'll start okay. off this time, and it's not very well formulated, and it's not one statement that sounds really good in rhymes. But what the thought is, <clears throat> excuse me, <laughs> I'm getting choked up. No, I have something in my throat. The thought is the long game and manipulation, and I've manipulated people before to get the result in the test in the performance that makes me feel good but i know that that student isn't really growing and it takes a maturity and it takes a care for the other individual to not manipulate them and even see where they're at and it being hard to swallow that knowing that i'm playing the long game and i think mm-hmm. that shows a lot of value in the student but also a confidence in the process Absolutely. so that stood out to me nice that's a very well formulated wisdom of the day <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, I like, I like the part where, I like the part where you talked. <laughs> I like the part where you shared about Ambleside. Um, no, I like how you were saying how it's more than just teaching academics, but it's teaching, um, thank you, character, um, and kind of skills that will carry you um, throughout life. Because you can know a lot, but if you don't have the character, um to really, uh, you know, if you don't have character, it doesn't really matter how much, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to get a job. You're not going to have friends. You're not going to, mm-hmm. you know, you might you, wind up in prison. You might wind up in prison <laughs> knowing how to do very complicated math equations. Mm-hmm. But, uh, mm-hmm. just the full circle of education is more than just memorization for a mm-hmm. test, but it's about developing what you said, a lifelong habit of learning. Mm-hmm and building character so it's a very well-rounded approach and yeah i liked that i would say my wisdom of the day is that um ask yourself the important questions a lot of times uh we don't stop to ask ourselves 
the important questions. What do we value and why do we value it? And really sometimes it's just answering the, the, the small questions that help us come to the decisions and places we come to. So when it comes to Christian education, um, why would I choose that above anything else? Is it just because they're teaching in the public schools that it's okay for a boy to use the girl's restroom? Is it because, you know, so it's not just, and that's why we vet our families. So it's not just, this looks a little bit better than option a, um, but what are those, what are those questions that we need to ask ourselves? Um, what has God asked of us? Um, there are students in the public schools that are being light. Um, and God, if, ever, if all of the children that are light go to private school, then where's the light Who's in the public the school? Who's changing the culture in the public school? So, yes. um, yeah. So I think, uh, just wisdom for parents and families is what is God, um, talking to you mm-hmm. what are the questions um that need to be answered right. to get you to the decisions that we make and why do we make those decisions um and for the long game yeah how in the long the long haul the long run uh it's harder to do it this way it is it takes endurance perseverance and patience like mm-hmm. pastor mark has been talking about um but it's so important in the development of who we are as people and who we are as believers. And, um, I hope that helps you. Yes, I've been telling people a lot, you know, ask, ask yourself these questions. Why do we do what we do? One of my favorite authors, his name's Andy Andrews. And he said this, and it, I just thought of it again. I don't know if I'm saying it exactly the way he said it, but the condition of the answers we come to is based off the conditions of the questions we ask ourselves. Absolutely. So in our children's education and the way we're raising our children, we may look at the results, but before we look at the results, let's look at the questions that we're asking ourselves about mm-hmm. how we're raising and educating our children. Yeah, absolutely. That's where it starts. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jessica, for being with us. You're it welcome. It was awesome to have you. Yes. Thanks for um, having me. I think it's a very interesting topic and I don't even have a child. So I hope some of us uh, single believers and listeners and even the kids, kids who listen to this podcast, it's a yeah. great subject for everyone uh we like to have our guests pray us out would you be willing to do that absolutely okay go ahead all right father god we just come to you in the name of jesus and we thank you for the opportunity uh just to sit and to be able to talk about uh your design really i believe um and we just thank you that you are moving on the hearts of, of parents and families to begin asking those questions and examining their hearts and what it looks like to bring um, education to our children, that we're not just teaching them facts and memorization, but really you have created all things and there is beauty to be found in all of it. So we just uh, worship and magnify you. We thank you that uh, you open doors and position the right people um, to come and participate, that you move on the hearts of community members and those with provision so that um, they see those who may, might not be able to afford this education, but that they can participate in, in shaping generations to come. Um, we thank you for giving us insight and wisdom and strength um, into what this looks like. We are human and we make mistakes daily, but we know the one who has authored it all. And so uh, we rely on you. We thank you for your help and for your grace. 
um, and your provision um, in this Christian education and what it looks like. Help us to honor you in all that we do as we educate um, your children and um, bring love, light, and freedom um, to generations. We thank you, Lord, and we bless you. We uh, love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Again, thank you so much. And for all you listeners, if you haven't left a review, if you haven't left a rating, thank you for doing that. And we'll be back next week on the Sewing and Growing Podcast with J&J. Thanks so much.